a pastor by the name of Lee Eklov that I've gotten to know recently that I've really appreciated uh, his perspective uh, on some things. He tells a story of having moved uh, to a smaller church from a church that he'd been at uh, that was about four times bigger in size, but this was the place that the Lord had called him to serve. And so as he got into this new uh, small church, he began to see some things that he might want to do a little bit differently. And one of the things that he looked at was the worship team, which for him included him and a piano player. (laughs) That was the worship team. And so he began to think through that. And over time, got a little frustrated and just said, Lord, how do you expect us to to worship if if this is all we have? He said almost immediately he felt a conviction in his heart (laughs) as the Lord asked him, so what exactly do you need to worship me? He began to think through that and said, well, you know, if I was honest with myself, what I was really asking was, Lord, how do you expect us to compete with all the churches around us who do worship better than we do? So the Lord continued to teach him and instruct him and guide his heart. And he communicates that through a story, which is the reason I asked Joel to do what he did this morning. Such a gifted man. I'm so grateful because I hope this sticks with you. And he imagined being in an art studio. And God is the art instructor. And he as a pastor was a student along with other students who were there as well. And God instructs them to paint their church, to to paint a picture of what Christ is all about. Something that symbolizes his love and grace and mercy. Something that looks like that. So they sat down to to do what... uh, God had instructed them to do. And he begins to put colors on their palette and they start to paint. But he realizes that he doesn't have all the colors that he thinks he needs. Joel used four colors this morning. And, and yet, as he's painting this picture, he thinks, I don't have red. I can't paint a church without red. And then he looks around and he realizes that not everybody has the colors that they need. They're all looking for a color that they think they should have, but it's not on their palette. So God explains, you have all the colors you need to portray Christ in your church. So paint with the colors I gave you. Paint with the colors I gave you. I tell you that story because I believe that's what God's called us to do at Melanie Park. To paint with the colors God gave us. I'm convinced that God leads certain people to a certain place at a certain time to carry out a certain purpose in the church that He builds. So as we began kind of a new season of ministry in the fall, I wanted to, to step away just today from our First John study and talk about why we do what we do. To consider what life and ministry at Melanie Park is all about. And to ask ourselves personally, individually, what is my role within this body of Christ? And then to ask together, what is our purpose as a church? And then when we put those two together, what are we called to do to fulfill God's kingdom plan on earth? Those are important questions, aren't they? So I want us to walk through those very carefully together this morning and answer them one at a time. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, I'm so thankful uh, to be here this morning with my church family. And I pray that as we take some time this morning to really consider what it means to paint with the colors that you give us, that we would take that to heart, that it would really penetrate us in such a way that we can't shake it for a while. It keeps coming up in our minds, and we keep thinking about you and what you've called us to and what you've accomplished for us, what you've created within your body, the window of time that we have before you return, and that all these things really compel us to be the people of God that you have called us to be. God, may that penetrate deeply in our hearts this morning as we look at your word together. Amen. Paint with the colors God gave you. That's a great perspective, isn't it? As you think about who we are as a church. When I first read that, it immediately resonated in my heart because I thought, that's how we function as a church family here at Melanie Park. We want to paint with the colors God gives us. We're not a big program church that we we look around and see that all the cool and flashy things that everybody else is doing and think, man, if they're doing that, we've got to be doing that too. That's just not who we are. Instead, we're more inclined to, to listen very carefully to the hearts of the people that God brings to this body to, to understand what they are here for, what what their passions are what their backgrounds might be. So instead of looking around at all the cool things that that everyone else is doing, we are committed to looking at the people God brings us in order to understand what He wants us to be doing. We want to encourage people to be in meaningful relationships with one another so that we can learn about those backgrounds, those, those passions, those heart desires and use those within the church that God called us to be. Because the more we understand people, the the better we understand what God desires of us, what He might want us to paint based on the colors He gave us. Now, that philosophy of ministry is important, but only because it is based on a very important theological premise, and it is this, that God is a God of order, of intention, of purpose. We need to to ask ourselves, do we believe that's true? Is that a true statement about who God is as described in Scripture? Because if it is, and I believe so, then it has some significant implications for us as a church body. If that's true, it means God has placed each in every person in this body with an intended purpose in mind, leaving nothing to chance. That's the way He works. If it's true that He's a God of order and purpose. And it is. And so let me just tell you how I see that in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 says that's exactly what happens. Listen, it says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desires. You are here for a reason. God has placed you in the body just as He desires. But not only that, He has promised to equip you to fulfill that purpose that He has called you to. 
In that same chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says in verse 4, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So every single person who is a part of this body is here for a reason and has a part to play. And that, that design, that, that role contributes to, to the common good so that we fulfill who He has called us to be. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Just, just consider what we just said to be true. Because what that tells us is that when it comes to the church, God is very purposeful in His design and how He puts the, the parts of His body together so that each of them has a unique role and purpose to play. He leaves nothing to chance. God has a purpose in mind. And you have great value in His eyes. We have all the colors we need to portray the life of Christ through the life of this church. And so if there, this is where you intend to be, I want to encourage you this morning, that just in your heart and in your, in your mind, just ask yourself this question. What am I here for? What am I here for? What color do I bring to the palette? How has God uniquely gifted me to contribute to the common good? Because I am confident of this, that there are no outliers. Okay, There are no exceptions. There is nobody that doesn't have a part where they can't fit in. God is a God of order and purpose and intention. He leaves nothing to chance. And not only that, I want us to be clear that there is no separation between those who are in full-time ministry and those who are not. Because in my mind, as we've talked about recently, we are all in full-time ministry. You've heard terms like clergy and laity. I just want to be up front with you and tell you we are not going to use those words in this church. Because I don't believe they apply to the church. Because we are all called to full-time ministry. Whether that's ministering as parents, as a husband, as a wife, as an employer or an employee. <laughs> Every single member of God's church is a minister and equipped to carry out that purpose. We are called to full-time ministry. Each and every person God has placed in the body just as He desires and endowed with a unique set of gifts that He will use to, to carry out that purpose in the church. Now, as I say that, I know that there, there are all kinds of, of things that, that have been developed over time, assessments and tools that, that help people answer that question about the unique gifts and abilities that they bring. And there, there's a time and a place for those things that can be helpful. But I want to give you my personal conviction. And it is this, that the primary means for us as individuals to understand how God has equipped us and, and uniquely gifted us is not up to the individual themselves, but it is the responsibility of the church as a whole. I believe it happens when, when people begin to serve and de develop relationships within the body. And as a result of that, those gifts naturally surface to the top. 
And we begin to encourage each other in what we see in one another so that we make those visible. So it's my opinion that we are much better, better off spending time trying to identify spend less time trying to identify gifts to know where people might serve and instead encourage people to serve so that we might better see their gifts being displayed. Remember, God is a God of order. And when we come together as a church, He leaves nothing to chance because there's too much at stake. He places the members of His body as He desires, equips them with a unique set of gifts in order to fulfill our purpose. There are no exceptions. We are all called to work, to find a place to plug in, to be a part of this body. So if you're here, whether it's new or, or, or been here a while, we want to encourage you, find a place to plug in. Because we believe that God has you here for a purpose. And that design is there. We want to encourage you to get involved in, a, in an ABF, what we do on Sunday morning before the worship service, or, or a small group. We talk about things in, in ministry all the time, and if that tugs on your heart a little bit, we want to know about that. Because we want to help you find a place to fit in and minister within this body. We believe you're here for a purpose. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we hired Jason to begin with. <laughs> it was because we wanted somebody to be a part of our pastoral staff who had that shepherding heart so that he could help people find that place. And I promise you, it would thrill him to death if you came up to him one day and say, hey, Jason, I've just been a part of Melanie Park for a while, but I want to know how to fit in. He'd probably do a happy dance, and that's what I think his happy dance looks like, okay? <laughs> but that's really true for all of us. We want to help you find a place to fit in because we believe you're here for a purpose. God has gifted you in a way that helps this church body be the the church that He's designed us to be. You're here to help us fulfill that purpose. But with that being said, that brings us to our next question. What exactly is our purpose? As a church body, what is our purpose? One thing to ask what our individual role might be, but that question's really only answered within the context of who we are as a church as a whole. My individual role needs to contribute to, to our common goal, our, our mission in some way. And as I think about that question in, in terms of the mission of the church, that's actually a hard question for me because I see the church being uh, used by God in so many ways. It's like the multiple facets of a diamond and, and they're all beautiful in and of themselves. In fact, I think that's what Paul had in mind when, when he spoke about the church in his letter to the Ephesians. And he says that it's the, the church exists to display the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold literally means rich variety. It brings with it the idea that, that God takes all these different people and places them in the church in such a way that, that they collectively display the rich variety of God's wisdom and grace and love to the world. The church, as we've talked about before, is like that mosaic masterpiece where God takes these broken lives and redeems them and places them in the body just as He desires so that together we encourage one another towards the common good and fulfilling what we have been called to do 
to represent the message of Jesus Christ, His love and grace, forgiveness and mercy to the world around us. But I want you to know that that doesn't happen in an instant. That masterpiece is a work in progress. The church is a living organism. And God uses the relationships in His body to to shape the people into the image that He designed them to be. The people that He created us to be. And so in that sense, the church was created by God to carry out that purpose of His sanctifying work among His people. Where He uses the relationships that we have with one another to conform us into the image of Christ so that we might reflect the the attributes of His divine character to the world. Ephesians chapter 4 is one of the places where you see that being communicated. And so I want us to look at that together. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now as I read this passage that I believe is intended to describe that purpose of the church that we are seeking to understand, I want you to look for the verbs. Okay, Look at the ways and actions that are embedded within that purpose of the church as I read beginning in verse 11. It says, And He gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Did you see all those verbs that He's using to describe what we're supposed to be about? Equipping. Building up. Growing up. The church is an agent of change. Where the people of God are transformed into the likeness of Christ as they speak truth and love to one another. As you will see written right on the four-year wall as you walk outside, it's what we truly believe. is that truth spoken in love is what transforms lives. Truth produces life but not as some cold doctrine that beats people into submission, but instead, by God's design, it works through the relationships of His people as truth is spoken in love, as we encourage one another, as Hebrews says, to love and good needs, good deeds, even more as the, the day draws near. That's one of the reasons that we hope to be a church who is committed to telling what we call stories of transformation, Right? You have one of those written in the back of the bulletin. We believe that when we do that part of of speaking the truth and love to one another, of encouraging each other to love and good deeds, that things happen, lives are changed. And we want to be a church that tells those stories. 
And so as you'll see in the back of the bulletin, it's just a simple story of a simple truth of, a, of, of a, an important family in our church body whose, whose lives and whose marriage and whose family has been shaped by that truth. But here's something I want you to think about. I'm going on my fifth year here at Melanie Park. And since the day I started, I've written one of those stories every single Sunday. Now think about the number of stories that is. That's a lot of stories, isn't it? But that's the way it should be when the church of Christ is feeling the responsibility that it was designed to. Lives have changed. Those stories should be told. I love the way Eugene Peterson kind of paraphrases that passage in Ephesians there at the end. Listen to what he says. He says, God wants us to grow up, to know that the, the whole truth and, and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us, so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Isn't that a great description? That's what we're called to be as the body of Christ. That aspect of the church is important to understand, but... But once again, we would be making a grave mistake if we ended the conversation there. After all, has God created the church simply to create a place for His people to be so that we can be healthy and and happy in Him? Is it really all about us? No, it's not. Not not even close. There's a purpose much bigger than any of us. Your role is of great value within the body of Christ. And our fellowship is significant in fulfilling that purpose that He has called us to. But it all must culminate in a way that collectively we are doing something that impacts His kingdom on earth. In other words, your role must feed into our purpose in a way that prepares us to carry out that last piece, His plan. The church is like a staging ground preparing the people for something much bigger than themselves. Here's how I want us to to look at this together as we walk through what it means to understand His plan. How my role, our purpose, contributes to His plan. And the way I want us to do that is I want to go back to the Old Testament. And I want us to think through the, the details that God gave in the construction of the tabernacle. Now hang with me as we go through this because this is going to light you up. You're going to love this because it's an example of how God is so creatively intentional about every single thing He does. And this is a beautiful example of that. You'll remember that there was a lot of instruction about how that tabernacle was to, to be constructed. And that in that, in that uh, tabernacle there was the Holy of Holies. And you remember that in the Holy of Holies was what? The, the Ark of the Covenant, Right? which the Bible describes as the footstool of God, giving us this image that it's the place where heaven meets earth. And you'll remember that inside that Ark of the Covenant were certain uh, things that God asked them to, to put inside. There were those stone tablets of Moses representing the law of God. There was that jar full of manna to remind them and to represent the provision of God. And then there was that staff of Aaron 
representing the priesthood of God that would mediate between God and man, all established in His plan. Now, ever, wherever God went, you, you saw Him in smoke by day or, or fire by night. And wherever He went, the people were to follow. And each time they arrived somewhere, they were to reconstruct that tabernacle just as He described it for them. And the people would assemble together and, and the presence would, of God would dwell among them. The tabernacle was kind of a mobile uh, fixture of what would then become a, a permanent fixture in Jerusalem when Solomon built the temple. At which point you have the, the presence of God dwelling within the temple of God, among the people of God, in the city of God, Jerusalem. But even King Solomon realized that, that there was no temple that could contain the great vastness of who our God is. So in his prayer of dedication, listen to what he says in verse 27. He says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I've built. But there was a purpose behind that. God gave them instruction on how to carry that, that through. And that purpose was by God's design to be a place where His presence dwelled so that all the world could draw near to Him through the light of God's people Israel. It says in verse 41 of that same chapter in 1 Kings um, chapter 8, it says uh, also concerning the foreigner, these are outside of Israel, who is not of your people, Israel. When he comes from a far country by your names, for your namesake, for they will hear of your great name and, and your mighty hand and, and your outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays towards this house, hear thou in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do the people of Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. Jerusalem and its people were to be a beacon of light to the world, to draw near to God's presence before them. Now let's fast forward to the coming of Christ. You'll remember the words of John when he said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally means tabernacled. Tabernacled. That's because the presence of God was among the people through Jesus Christ, God incarnate. The radiance of God's glory, the, the exact representation of His nature this is our Emmanuel, God with us. He fulfills everything represented within the design and instruction of that temple. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came as our sustenance, the bread of life. He is the only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, the unblemished Lamb, sacrificed for the forgiveness of sin. Everything that was recognized within the design of the temple became realized within the person of Jesus Christ. 
And when it was finished, to telestai, that's what that Greek word means. Finished. As Jesus hung upon the cross. Do you remember what happened in the temple? The veil was torn, wasn't it? That veil that was intended to separate people from God's presence was torn in two. It was a sign of that which was to come. Something that would release the Spirit of God once confined to that place to the uttermost parts of the world. And we see that happening at Pentecost. I want you to think about what happened there. Through faith in Christ, sin's barrier was removed. God's Spirit would now dwell within God's people who according to Scripture are called what? The temple of God. God's Spirit, His presence, dwells within you, the people of God, because you are the temple of God. That's why Jesus gives the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples. Go to the uttermost parts of the world. Go! Why? Because now He wants to take the people of God and send them out to the world. Instead of the world coming to draw near to the presence of God, you are the temple of God taking the presence of God to the world. That's what we are called to do. What an incredibly amazing, purposeful, intentional plan. Because that's the way God works. So let's pull it all together. At the moment of faith, when you put your trust in Christ and His sovereign work on the cross, God's Spirit indwelled you. And in that moment, He endowed you with a unique set of gifts and abilities so that He would then place you in the body just as He desires so that you can contribute to the building up of the body as we are all collectively transformed into the image of Christ. So that we can then go out into the world, bringing to them the very presence of God within us, proclaiming salvation and the hope that is in us through faith in Jesus Christ. You have been chosen to be sent to share the good news of God's redemptive love and grace. What we do here is important, but only as it impacts what we do outside these walls. You are the church, but let me encourage you to go and be the church. Listen to what this says. Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, 
though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. You need to know we believe that with all our heart, mind, and soul. That you are the church and we are called to go and be the church. That you are here for a purpose. That you have a specific role to play because God has uniquely equipped you and has placed you just as He desires. And that we are called to come together as His body to encourage one another towards love and good deeds, to speak that truth-producing life so that we are conformed to His image and collectively display the love and grace that has set us free. And then why in the world would we want to keep it inside these four walls? We want to go out and be the church that God's called us to be. That being said, I'm going to pray for us. And as uh, we do this, I want to take some time to pray for Jason. Uh, as Russell said a few months ago, just we were praying for the man that God would bring to be the family care and education pastor. We are convinced that Jason Martin is that man. And there is a part that he is intended to play. And we believe God's called him for that purpose here. And so, Jason, if you want to come forward, and, and if I could ask the elders to come as well, we want to pray for Jason. And uh, Jason uh, has done so much. Even His handprints were all over this in the, the slides that you saw this morning he put together to communicate the heart of the message that we wanted you to hear. Uh, very last minute, I said, Jason, we need somebody up in the booth. Can you go run the slides for us? <laughs> he jumped up there and did that. And uh, I know that uh, he's doing what we've asked him to do because I've talked to several of you during the week and asked you, how's your week been? And, uh, uh, you know, nine out of ten people say, it's been good. I had lunch with Jason this week. <laughs> it's been good. I had lunch with Jason this week. All right, good. So, Jason, one of the things that I thought of as I uh, considered what you have been called to do here is that commission to Timothy from Paul. When he said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Go and make disciples. So that's what we have called him to do and be a part of our pastoral staff team. So as, as elders, uh, we want to uh, commission you for that work and that purpose. And uh, we believe you're here for that reason. So let me pray. If you would stand together, please. Lord, we do believe and are convinced that you are a God of order, that you do things with great intention and purpose, and you lay it out in such a way that it is beautiful when we see it visibly displayed, ultimately, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we think through what was communicated in various forms this morning, that it would penetrate our hearts deeply, 
And, and we do that in the, that same heart. Pray, pray for Jason. Pray for his family. Pray for their ability to, to settle into the, the fellowship believers here at Melanie Park Church, that this would be their church home, and that he would see very clearly over time, even more so, the way that you have uniquely gifted him to serve intentionally within this role of family care and education, to love and lead our body in such a way that he makes disciples and sends them out to make disciples so that they can go and do the same. May we be a church of disciples who are making disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ in whom we've all been saved. Father, we are grateful for our chance to be here this morning. And we pray these things in your name.